0: Welcome into episode 14 of Fatal to Prejudice. Pretty exciting episode. Um, I got my buddy Brian here today. We met somewhere around like 2018, 2019 or so. Yep. Uh, definitely BC before COVID. <laughs> um, it's, uh, we just met at uh, like a little friends get together. It's a bunch of uh, dudes who didn't know each other who enjoyed bourbon. Um, and I don't know, just kind of bonded over it yeah. and, uh, him along with a few others, which kind of just hit it off as friends
1: and I guess the rest is history. <laughs> so welcome in. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not often you roll into a party and you see someone, you know, with a tattoo of one of your favorite albums and you're just like, oh man, like you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was definitely a very unique way of meeting. Um, But, yeah, then, you know, it's just it's a nice thing about some of the people that have come out of the bourbon group. Right. It's it's more than bourbon. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. There have been kids in the mix and get togethers and cookouts and first birthdays. And yeah, it's been wild. It's yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's funny that uh, that you mentioned that
0: uh, about the tattoo that it's like, yeah, I have a tattoo and it was warm out so you could see it. Um, and then you just like, we're all s- standing outside on the deck and then you just like tap me on the shoulder. Is that so-and-so tattoo? I'm like, yeah, it is. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're cool. Uh, cause you like good music yeah. like already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, so to like preface it, uh, before we did this, Brian mentioned to me that he hasn't listened to every episode cause he wanted to come in unbiased uh, and yep. just kind of let it roll. So, yeah, um, previously mentioned in episodes, uh, I've mentioned about, like, other friends that have rolled through from meeting them through, like, bourbon and stuff. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's like you said, it's not about bourbon, nah. really. It's just it's a common thing that we enjoy together. Um, and it's a nice, easy way to be like,
1: hey, do you want to hang out? Uh, but like you said, it's way more than that. Um, yeah. And I'll go back through and listen to everything after, after we're done here today. I just, I like to be as, as, as much me as I can be. And, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing, but we're all inadvertently, not necessarily swayed, but maybe affected by, you know, what's happened before or what you've heard before, you know, relate to things that have been said before. So yeah, I've kept myself in the dark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How rude of you to I know, not I not support the homie. Yeah, no, yeah I'm just kidding. We'll get there. I'm just kidding. Yep. Um yeah, awesome. So anyway, um met through bourbon a few years ago. Yep. Um, you've you've expressed interest in uh, doing podcasts. You've done oh, yeah. podcasts before, so yep. this is pretty awesome. Yep. Um you wanna just roll right into it. And I usually start with like childhood memories growing up where you grew up and all that so
1: yeah Yeah, so I I grew up in Canton um for those of you that may not be familiar with that it's pro football hall of fame city um fancy yeah yeah so I mean you know growing up it's kind of I don't know what you would almost expect you know living in suburbia right like you know, school all week, football on Friday, church on Sunday, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school growing up. And I've got two siblings. So, um, Matt's three and a half years behind me. Allie's three and a half years behind him. And the, the, the Catholic school aspect was, was interesting because I did that through eighth grade and then decided to go to the public high school. What we came to find is that, like, in, in doing that, so much didn't transfer over. And so I found myself in classes that like, they they weren't challenging to me, right? So I really questioned why. And ultimately it led to my brother going over earlier and there were still challenges there. And then it led to my sister going over even earlier, just kind of the learnings that had come from the differences in the school systems. But growing up, I was, I don't know, I I, I would consider myself, you know, one of the nerdy kids. I definitely got picked on growing up. I got picked on in high school. you know, I was in scouts, which was awesome. I, I got all the way to Eagle, um. You know, and then after that, my brother kind of went the sports route, which you know it's funny. Anytime I'd run into people from back home because my brother went the sports route and was successful about it, I don't get the oh, you're Brian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. Someone says your brother, I get the are you are you Matt's brother? And I was like, I came first. Like you know, <laughs> if anything, you know. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's I played sports. You know, I was. One of, the, one of the big things, though, that came out of childhood that I, I know you hear people, they always say, like, don't don't leave someone you love mad. You know, don't walk away in a fight, you know, that kind of thing. It was seventh or eighth grade. I had just finished up football practice. Dad picked me up. We went over to my uh, grandma and grandpa's house. They lived um, literally three streets over from us. Um, bad day, bad practice. I was in a terrible mood. Like I was arguing with my dad, you know, so it's like we, we, we got to their house and I just, I just stayed in the truck. I didn't want to go inside. You know, I was being a stubborn little kid. And, (laughs) um, well, as, as fate would have it, it was, it was either that night or the next morning. Um, my grandfather fell down the stairs and hit his head on the concrete floor and never came out of it. So it's one thing very early on in life that I do take that very seriously because I, I have had an instance in my life where I made a choice to like not see somebody not knowing that that was the last time I would ever see them and you know there, there are things that you carry with you in life you know regret guilt things like that that will will you know kind of define where you go and how you handle things and I've I've carried that with me from a a very young age. And I know there's people out there that, you know, are fortunate that will never encounter something like that. Um, But that just, that just seemed to start what I felt like was just years and years and years of, it just felt like every time I turn around a close friend or a family member or something like that, I just just felt like we were always in funerals. And, and so that definitely weighed on me. Through grade school, through high school, junior year of high school, I was I was in a real real bad spot, and I just I didn't fit in. I wasn't happy, you know. Going from you know Catholic school over to it was the junior high for a year, and then we moved to the high. So I moved, you know, three times in a matter of three years, and so junior year I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Right, like I wasn't playing sports. I had I'd tried different stuff. Um, so that's when i gave i gave theater a shot and the cool thing about where i went to high school at is that theater like everybody did it in some capacity whether they were on a crew whether they were on the stage you you know athletes you know band people you know just average people that you know weren't doing much like everybody was doing it and and it was it was an amazing kind of melting pot um and and there was there was one kid I'll never forget. He was his name was Dan. He is actually who I named my son after. Um, one of the most outgoing just chipper just out there individuals, right? Um, to where I forget what the musical was. but like he taught himself bagpipes so that he could actually play bagpipes in the musical, right? Um <laughs> but like, I'll never forget it. He came up to me one day and he was just like, He's like, hey, man, like, you look like you're not having a great day. You know, is everything okay?" And we chatted for a minute. I didn't really know him at that point, so I didn't open up a ton. But I'll never forget, he gave me, uh, he's like, this album always makes me feel good. And he gave me a copy. It was The End of All Things to Come by Mudvayne. And so I, I, had, I had never heard of Mudvayne before. I This style of music was like, I listened to pretty much everything, but like I'd never started down that path just yet. Yeah. And like, so that album just, it stuck with me. And that was kind of a turning point in high school where it was just like, you know what, like he, he didn't care what people thought about him. You know, he definitely marched to the beat of his own drum um, had an older brother you know who you know cared a lot about him uh, his, mo- his mom was our speech coach you know so it's like the the family ties there were awesome and so through that we you know we get into senior year um well i get into senior year dan had graduated a year before me and i'll never forget listening to him when the uh the marine corps band recruiter was in our high school um the band room was up against the theater and the choir room and everything so like you could hear dan uh he wanted to be a drummer in there just holding this rapid fire cadence for like 90 straight seconds on the drum. And it like, it just sounded like a machine was doing it. You know what I mean? Like it was insane. Um, but so then, you know, senior year, I had actually taken, so I, I went into speech senior year and I took a piece that his brother wrote um, that was about, you know, like f- facing suicide in your life um the the premise of it was a guy looking back on his life that when he was in school he was extremely overweight made fun of teased you know this that the other and he tried to kill himself one night and it was just the the the, the kind act of one of his friends is what prevented him from doing something like that so it was just like an interesting parallel to where i was and like what dan did and everything and the piece was written by his brother you know, it was it was his mom that was coaching us, and so I took it. I, I got all the way to like I, th- I think the octa final round of nationals that year, um, and it was a wild experience. And you know, Dan joined the Marines, and so you know, fast forward, and now we're in kind of the the college age, right? Um, we can get into the uh, the heartbreak aspect of that in a little bit, uh, but like finishing up. On the Dan piece, I'll never forget. I was driving back from uh, Cedar Point, I think, and I got a phone call from a buddy of mine um, that that Dan was killed in action. And Jeez. as things came out, it was you heard you know more and more and more about what had happened. You know, he he voluntarily stayed over there until reinforcements for his unit came in. So he he voluntarily extended his tour. And what had happened was is he loved the band. But he wanted to challenge himself more, so he became um, oh, what is it the um, people that go out and get rid of IEDs and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know the official name. So anyway, yeah. so that's what he was doing, and um, you know, it was it was an IED that got him, and so that like it it shook our town to the core because you you know growing up in a relatively small town. I mean, we're real close to Canton, so it's like you know the city and everything, but you just you never think things like that are going to happen, you know? And when they do, it's, it's just the solidarity that you see. It's unfortunate sometimes that as a nation we have fallen to be so polarized, but like something like that brought everybody back together and the stuff that's come out of it. I mean, every year they do a flags of freedom, you know, they've got fundraisers, they've got, you know, a, a float that a friend's dad had built that, you know, travels and goes and parades and everything. But, um, a company in the area actually worked to build a big veterans memorial outside of our high school. And I remember on the first anniversary of that, um, the Marine Band, I don't even know if it was scheduled or not, but they showed up and they played. And you got to meet some of the guys that that Dan saved. Um, one of them was an amputee. You know, he said if it weren't for Dan, he would have never met his daughter. So it was – it kind of like – it, it, it challenges you to really think about like who who are you living life for? You know what I mean? And the the happiest people that I've come across are the people that are that are, you know, living it to to help other people, you know? And that's something that I see today, you know, so much so, even more now with COVID and, you know, online stuff and keyboard arguments and stuff like that, that people they lose sight of that. They forget that. And um you know, it's just like, unfortunately, you know, going through the early years of college, you know, I'd mentioned like all of the loss earlier, but like those two big events of my grandfather and then with Dan, you know, it, it really, really calls into perspective, you know, how how far lost some people are anymore. And it's, it's just, I don't know. That's why I, I've always been You know, I'm, I'm always there to help when needed. You know, I'm, I'm, I will offer help before people ask. I'm never one to, you know, not have somebody over for dinner or just like, just knowing how even just the smallest acts can impact people um, is kind of how I've always tried to Handle my friendships, you know, you know, family interactions, things like that, and I mean, it's inevitable, right? With family, yeah, there's always going to be arguments, there's always going to be fights. That's just what family is, um, you know. It's <laughs> to, to dive back into that bag of music. Um, I'll n- I'll never forget the the one song I heard in college, "Voices." Um, where it says you you know you, you speak in different voices when you're talking to the people that you love and and it's you know it's the truth especially when you're mad you just you feel more comfortable with them to like let that raw emotion out and sometimes sometimes that can that can get very difficult and it can be hard to you know when you are wrong to step back and admit that and i think you know the world needs a little bit more of that and i was i was though very you know, roughly learn that lesson. It's a lesson I'm glad I learned, because there have been times where it's like you, emotion can get the best of you, and and you say something that's wrong or do something that's wrong. You gotta you gotta own up to that. But so those were those were kind of the early years. You know, I I I didn't like do a terrible amount of like crazy extracurricular. Like I, I was busy at school, right, with choir and speech. In theater and like all that kind of stuff that I really and I worked right like I, I I started working at Wendy's when I was 16, um so it's like I didn't really have time, and then you know f- uh, I did summer gym a couple years just so I didn't I didn't like the idea of getting all like sweaty and stinky during high school so I did <laughs> summer gym to knock that out, um and then even like after my freshman year I worked two summer jobs so I, I didn't really like I didn't really have a ton of time to you know, get into what, what you see with some people like, you know, going to concerts or like partying or, you know, I I was that guy that when I got to college, I'm pretty sure I drank like once in my life at that point. So got into college and I, I went to school for architecture, which was a very, very, very demanding field. And um, because of how demanding it was, uh, another like hard life lesson is that I, wasn't very good at blending school and like the going out and the doing stuff. And I let my GPA drop to a point that I I had to take a year off from the architecture program, get my GPA back up and get back in. Um, But it's one of those things that I'm almost glad it happened because in terms of the friends from college that I still stick close to, it's the people that I met because I took that year off. That would have been a year behind me that I don't know, you know, how much I – would have talked to them hung out with them you know that kind of thing um so i was just you know one of those perspective things like in the time it was it was bad and you know every now and again i'll get back in my facebook memories and i see like you know cringy early 2000s brian late 2000s brian and i'm like i want to go back in time and be like K- what, what is wrong with you <laughs> you know <laughs> but um you know li- looking at the the kind of bad stuff that happened there it gave me you know some of the the you know friends that i've had for a long time so I guess I guess my, you know my my theme is kind of you know the the positive things that that come out of adversity you know because there's just there's just been a lot of things that have happened that I don't want to see other people go through but you know it's like going through them makes you a little more resilient I think um, but yeah so then so <laughs> uh, freshman sophomore year you know that's when you know i started like really kind of i want a girlfriend you know this that the other and um there 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 have been some interesting things in the portfolio um you know earlier you and i were talking about you know getting cheated on Uh, that sucks it's one of the you know hardest things to deal with yes it does um you know it's just i you know i've been a proponent for a long time because it's funny it's you know i one of the one of the relationships I got cheated on, I was told that, you know, if you have thoughts of wanting to cheat, you should probably just end the relationship. You know, especially when you're dating because that's not a very healthy relationship.
0: And the girlfriend you were with was giving you that advice?
1: Well, it was just something that was set off the cuff, you know, because yeah. she, she'd been through some relationships that had kind of fallen okay. apart too. But, yeah, then ultimately there was cheating that happened. So there's just <laughs> some irony there, but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, that one was 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 hard um just because it was really the first i don't want to say like real world relationship but it's like you're not in high school anymore and like you know dates yeah. dates aren't like sitting at your parents house watching a movie and you know like that yeah. kind of thing um and so yeah that you know that one hurt um and then i, I had one where uh, again cheated on you know Um, But then fast forward a couple years later on in life, um, we thought that it would be a great idea to try again. It was not a great idea to try again. And what's interesting though is is that plays into the whole Italy aspect, right? Like I studied abroad in Italy and that was very much a big coming of age thing for me because I will never forget first night in Italy, I needed to be on the south side of Florence and I wound up on the north side. I was trying to get a taxi to go down it's not like it is here in the U- U.S. in big cities. You actually have to call a taxi company, tell them where you're at, and then they'll send a taxi to you. So first night in Italy, I'm on – this is this is like pre-iPhone, so I'm on like the burner Nokia, you know what it I mean? Was, I was about to ask,
0: what, <laughs> what's
1: the time frame that we're looking uh, at here? 2008.
0: 2008. Yeah, so, yeah I th- so I think
1: the first iPhone had dropped, and like one kid in our class had it. Yeah. But the majority of us were still like – operating on the buy an international phone, get an international SIM card, that kind of thing. you got to like pay for minutes and all that stuff. So first night in Italy, I'm calling my mom going, hey, can you Google how the hell I'm supposed to get a taxi? And so after a very, very long night, um, it worked out. We got the taxi. But what's funny about the flights over, one of them was 14 hours and one of them was nine. I can't remember if that's going or however the jet stream was. One of them was longer than the other. Um, But either way, I, I had gotten back you know, with this ex, and there were a group of us that didn't go through the travel company. There were like six of us. We were gonna go over early. My buddy, you know, his family's from Germany, so his grandma still lives there. So we we're gonna spend some time before and after the semester so that we weren't like diving right into school kind of thing. Um, well, we planned all our flights together. We planned the hotels together, this, that, the other, and then we broke up again before we went to Italy. It's a nice long plane ride <laughs> after you broke. It was just, it was wild. Um, it's interesting now though, because out of, out of my exes, like she and I are actually, we're friends today. And a lot of it was because after we got back from Italy and after things, you know, did go the way that they went, we were still both in architecture, right? So it just became like, it's just like you're going to have to see each other every day. Let's figure this out kind of thing. And um, she did go through uh, some some bad relationships herself. Um, but it's like, you know, in retrospect now, we were still both kind of there for each other when – things went south and so it's like she's happily married now with two kids you know i'm married with a kid we we don't see each other i mean the majority of our interactions are just the occasional like hello you know kind of thing but like i went to her wedding you know i i got to know i actually met her now husband at a party and he was like he was just a, a super excited dude like the the way he greeted you you know partied with you that kind of thing like so that one, that's that. That's honestly probably out of the X's one that I'm like, again, you know, through the adverse side of things, you kind of, you kind of figure out that like, yeah, we probably weren't right for each other anyway. But you know, so anyway, there were there were a couple others, you know, that were just like they didn't last as long, or it's just like. It was just two people that were in a bad spot, so they made a kind of a off the cuff decision and then you know down the road, you you amicably are just like, yeah, no, you know, kind of thing right. Um, but but no in, in, and and I think I think as I progressed, you know you you learn more and more from just you know relationships and friendships and you know things that you're looking for in people, things to avoid that the relationships they got a little like, better as you went on um, until there were there was one and this one this one messed me up bad um, it's we, we were together for a couple years and uh, it was just kind of out of the blue and then there was the you know they were a couple years behind me in architecture so there was like the Italy piece that played into it so it's like a breakup you know followed by not even being in the same country for like six months that it's just it's just hard to come to grips with, especially like I I was still working, you know, part time. And then I was, I was working as a, as a bouncer at a bar just for some extra income. And my roommate at the time was working there, but it's like, there was just a lot of downtime and, you know, we've fast forwarded to where Facebook is a lot more prevalent now. Right. So it's kind of like always in your face. Right. Whereas in the past it wasn't. And yeah, man, like my grades started to slip again, and you know, I I, I had a, a talk my my boss. I, you know, I'll I'll never, not credit my, you know, first job. I was still in college, right? I was doing uh, inside sales for a company, and um, my boss he he didn't he he saw things were slipping, um, but he didn't fire me. He he did what. I would say, like, you know how when your dad, he's like, "I'm not mad at you. I'm just very disappointed in oh, you." Oh yeah, you know how that hits so much worse. Um, he didn't fire me. He just told me that I probably needed to take some time away. I needed to figure myself out. That you know things just weren't looking very good. This at the and, and it was it was just that. It was the like, I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed in you, and that that lit a fire under my ass to like get my head right. And I'm talking like th- there were nights where you know you' you drink yourself stupid right miss class the next morning. there was there was probably a period of like a week or two where I like I I had the kind of master suite in our apartment. so I had a half bath, I had the big bedroom, I had a mini fridge back there. I drug my like in my chair back like I didn't leave the bedroom, you know what I mean? It was that bad. Um, but yeah, it was that it was that disappointment kind of talk from work that really got me to fix myself. You know, now um, at that point, you know, fast forward a couple years, then um, I learned a valuable lesson at this company. Uh, <laughs> the old adage, "Don't shit where you eat." Yep. And um, well, I didn't really listen. And it was it was kind of, I think, a relationship that was doomed from the start because it, there was a lot of lying that happened um, about the past, about what had actually transpired. Um, there were things I thought going into the relationship that were very wrong, misleading, and ultimately the things that were lied about before they came to happen again. And so we wound up splitting and it was at that point, you know, have, you know, having to go into work, knowing that they're there every day is what actually got me to start looking for jobs elsewhere um, because I, I just, I wasn't paid what I was worth and that has since changed. Um, I, I, I will say that I know some of the people that are still there and that aspect of things has changed, but um, You know, there's only so long that you can do so much, you know, just with that kind of attitude, knowing that maybe you don't have the support that you need. Now, mind you, I, you know, I had had a fantastic manager. I had a fantastic director. Like, you know, telling them I was quitting was one of the hardest things I've had to do. But, yeah, started looking, right? And at this point, you know, one of my best friends, he was off on a deployment and, you know, long and short of it the the girl he was with um that he was i believe gonna propose to um cheated on him while he was overseas so when he got back spent a lot of time with him he actually wound up in columbus before i did because a couple of his other um people that he was overseas with they you know a lot of them were finding employment down here so so he moved down right and when i told him i was looking for work i was looking to move you know he started oh check out columbus check out columbus you know and um so I started working with a recruiting firm who got me, you know, the job down here. And, you know, I lived with him when we were in college and we wound up living together again when we got down here. So that that was kind of fun. But um, what's interesting about <coughs> my move to Columbus is at this point, I had kind of like sworn off dating altogether. I was like, screw this. I need to go somewhere else. I need to get out of Ohio. I, you know... I didn't get out of Ohio. I just came to Columbus. But, like, (laughs) I'm talking. I was looking for jobs in New York, San Diego, like, all over. So I put in my two weeks. The person that they hired to backfill me, I had two weeks with. And it was, like, two weeks of showing them the ropes, teaching them the jobs, you know, you know very begrudgingly telling them not to associate with my ex because <laughs> <Just> <like laughs> um and and you know training and training and training but it was also just like word vomit you know the, the 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 details of some of my past relationships why stuff hadn't worked why i'm moving to columbus this that the other like i was just like screw it, man I'm, I'm leaving i'm never gonna see these people again it don't matter you know um so we'll we'll get to this point but um Turns out that was my wife. Had no idea <laughs> at the time that that's what it was going to be. And, you know, I, I had a manager at my job in Columbus. that was just like, wait, you told her all this and she still wants to hang out with you? He's like, man, don't, don't lose that one. <laughs> right. Oh, but so, yeah. So then moved down to Columbus. I, I worked um, the job I was in for a little over six years you know, supply chain logistics, this, that, the other. Um, but then it just, it kind of got to a point where, you know, whether whether it's a manager or work-life balance or th- whatever people's reasons are for leaving a job, it was just, it got to the point that I'd had mine. Um, and, you know, my, my wife can attest to the fact that, like, I was not very good at home, you know, I was angry. There was a lot of stuff that was just, you know, really just weighing on me. And so, yeah. So before I go any further, um, after I moved down, right, like I was just sitting there one night. I just decided to, to, to message Sarah, my wife. And like she messaged back and we talked for a little bit. And at this point, she's still living up north, right, because she's working at our last job. And um, so her grandparents live down here. Um, so she... Uh, Decided she was gonna come down. She gonna stay at her grandparents' house. We were gonna go to the zoo and that was gonna be our first date. And so, me being me, having gone through Scouts and gone you know, on trips with my dad and everything, you know, I get my backpack, I get some Gatorade in there. You know, we had gone to Hound Dogs for dinner the night before. So like wrapping up some leftover pizza, you know, I had a park map, like I was all you know, ready to go and everything. And then she says something when we're on the date and I get everything out to have lunch. And she's like, she's like, Oh, my dad does this when we travel. And I was like, Is that good or bad? You know, like <laughs> you have no idea where the relationship's going to go. And yeah, it just, it, it kind of kept going from there, just, you know, distance and hanging out. And, you know, um, I think she may have set a Guinness Book um, record, Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Uh, for how many times she said the word friend to me, it was, it, it, it was a lot. It was funny. I thought I was going to just, I was never going to get through. And, um, well, lo and behold, I did, but, uh, yeah, it was wild. It was distance for, for quite some time. Like I don't think there was a weekend that either of us were just at home. You know what I mean? Um, so fast forward a little bit. We did that for a couple of years. Um, then my roommate and I, we found a, a duplex, same area down here. And uh, it's like the right off Hudson Avenue over by the soccer stadium. And it was a three-bedroom one. So uh, we knew we were going to get married. We knew at this point things were going to you know go the way that they were going. And Sarah had actually found a job down here. So we, uh, she moved down. That didn't go over well. There was quite a tense period for quite some time with family. And, you know, I get it, understandably so, you know, daughter moving away, but um, there were things that were said on both sides that were <laughs> not great. And um, in the end, you know, it, it worked out, you know, cause it wasn't like we were, it was just us, right? We still had a roommate, which, which I think did help in the long run because he'd call me out when I was being an idiot, you know, and so that helped. Um, but then we decided that Sarah took a new job, we got married and we bought a house all in the same year. So that was, that was a very busy year. That was a very, you know, financially trying year, but definitely able to, to, to handle it, um, move into the house and it was our first house. We now know all of the things that we are going to look for in a house moving forward, because we've gotten burned on some things we've had to fix in that house. But, um, yeah, so we were there for a couple years. I kind of finished out my time at my last company and then I moved to where I'm currently at, which, which has been just an absolute wonder, not just financially, but also the, the, um, the priority that they put on their employees. Um, you know, they, they offer six weeks of parental leave. So, you know, that's for, you know, fathers, non-biological, you know, adoption, you know, the whole gambit. Um, they offer adoption assistance. The, the work-life balance is fantastic. You know, so it was just like, it was just a very welcoming welcoming atmosphere and you know people always say like oh yeah you're gonna go through that like rose-colored glasses period where everything's great nothing's wrong and i'll tell you what you know it, the, what's what's happened in the last almost three years now is more than anything that happened in the last 10 that i had been working and so <clears throat> so anyway so i change jobs and as i'm adjusting to everything um we get through I started July, 2019, we all know our old friend COVID made its appearance, <laughs> probably end of that year, very early 2020. Yes. <clears throat> so everything shifted, right? We've been work from home, um, you know, in the category that I work in, you know, with everybody being from home, you know, sales through the roof, just through the roof, you know? And so just busy, busy, busy. And, and, and that's fine, right? Like I felt more at peace than I had in a very long time. <clears throat> and so then then we decide we're, 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 we're gonna make a baby during COVID, right? <laughs> and it, it was just, it, it was funny because it's like, <clears throat> you know, in the beginning, when it's your first, you're just like, okay, like, is this going to work? How long is this going to take? You know, are we even going to be able to? There's a lot of questions swirling around, right? So what I said was I was just like, well, let's just try and see what happens. So um we, you know, stopped, you know, methods of contraception and whatnot, and we just started trying, and pretty sure two weeks later, Sarah showed me a positive pregnancy test. <laughs> but what's funny is, though, like – She, she'll tell you, um, this is back when I had my office in the basement and she was at home because of the whole first wave of COVID and things like that. Um, I come upstairs and I can tell she's like visibly nervous about something. And I'm like, yo, like what's wrong? And she's like, (sighs) and she like gives me the test and I look at it and mind you, I came up for water. I had another meeting coming up. So I look at it and I was just like, oh, cool. I gave it back to her, and I had to run downstairs and get on my next meeting. And so it was just this whole, like, she was, like, building it, and I was just like, all right, yeah. And so after my meeting, I come back up, and she's like, that's it? Just cool? And I was like, well, you said we wanted to try, and we tried, and this is the outcome we wanted. So, like, yeah, it's cool, you know? Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, things things got challenging because um, during COVID, you know, it's they restrict how many people – are allowed in. Um, I was not able to go to any of the appointments. I was, you know, trying to see an ultrasound via like a phone video call, which wasn't the greatest. The first like actual ultrasound that I saw in person is when we were in the labor and delivery room. Um, so that really that really took a toll on me, just for the fact that like I couldn't be there, and it really there was there was almost like a disconnect. You know, when Daniel was born, like. I was so excited, you know, I, I knew he was mine, like, you know, things just kind of change, but not only are you trying to navigate the waters of not understanding why this thing is just screaming all the time or like <laughs> not sleeping or whatever, like I felt just a little disconnected from the whole thing because I, I'd been so removed from the process, like I knew it was happening, I knew it was going on but there was just not that emotional investment that I thought there would be. Now that's, that's since passed, right? Like you, you've seen my son, he's a ham. Oh um, my God, Dan is adorable. <laughs> um, but so it's like, once we finally reached that point where there was more of that bond, there was, it was a lot easier to understand why he was crying or react a little bit differently or something like that. But um, yeah, so during COVID, you know, we were still trying to plan as best we could you know, safe baby showers and things like that. And so, you know, our family spread out. And so we were planning on, we did one in Columbus with our like local friends down here. And that one turned out well, cause it was in October. And I think the day that we did it, it was like 65 out. So we were able to like be outside and you know, it, it was fine. Um, and then we were able to do one at my mom's house because again, we got crazy warm temperatures in November. It was weird. Um, but so we were, you know, the the ladies were inside. They kind of came in waves. They, you know, guys were outside grilling. We had some beer and whatnot. Um, but one, one of the hardest things was that the one on her side got canceled because of COVID. And we had already said that we weren't traveling for Christmas because I was too close to the due date. So, you know, we went almost an entire year without seeing some of our family while bringing, you know, a new kid into the world. And that's just... And it's hard, and it's still hard today because we're still both full-time. We, you know, have to use daycare. Daycare's expensive. I mean, they give great care. Like, our daycare is awesome. Dan gets excited every morning when we get there and he sees his teacher and, you know, he's he's made friends already. You know, daycare's been a great experience for Daniel, but, you know, it'd just be nicer to have family closer, be closer to family. Um, but, yeah, so one thing that kind of, came out of all of this is two full-time working parents, you don't you don't see your kid very much through the week, right? They're they're down an hour, hour and a half after they get home. So I was, and this is not anything anybody asked me to do or anything like that, but like I knew how hard it was on Sarah to not have that much time with Daniel. So I took on like everything in the house cleaning, groceries, laundry, like you name it and it was there would be days where you know i'd have meetings all day and it's like you're running downstairs to change loads in between the meeting and then you run upstairs and scarf down some lunch and get on the next meeting and then you go oh crap it's thursday night trash has to go out you know so you're just running and running and running well i was on a conference call and thought it was a normal run of the mill call presented out what i needed to present out had a couple questions asked of me and um, so i go on mute and I don't know if people have experienced massive panic attacks, but like I had one that was it was just unreal, like 10 to 15 minutes. You know, it's like the first time you have one of those, like you feel like you're having a heart attack and, you know, you're scared as hell. So I kind of took a step back and I was just like, once I finally like calmed down and everything, I was just like, my, my body's telling me I have to stop. Um, because it's like, yeah, you know, there's the emotional piece of it around, you know, being a dad and working and trying to do everything. Um, but so I, I made the decision then, um, and it's a decision that I, I didn't ever think I would make, to be honest with you. Um, and I reached out to my doctor for a referral for a counselor. And it's one of those things that like, like I said earlier, like I feel like everybody, Regardless of where you are in life, what you've done, what you're experiencing, even if you think there's nothing wrong, everyone should spend some time with a counselor. Um, it's it's not, it's not what people once thought it was, right? It's not this taboo. Everything's fine. Head down. Power on. You know, it's all in your head, kind of thing. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it is in your head, but like, it's it's not. You know. It's not just in your head. And so, what what was actually interesting is in going through this. Um, you know, I started. You know, your first couple of sessions are very topical, right? Just like understanding what's going on, why it happened. Um, but I was also I was also doing physical therapy at the time because I found out that you know when when I when I opened up what I what I call the coronavirus fit club in my garage because I couldn't go to my trainer anymore. Um, I invested in, you know, a fair amount of kettlebells, tension bands, barbell, bench, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I forget what I was doing. It might have been a kettlebell swing. And I, I did it wrong. And I thought I threw my back out. And it's always kind of lingered with me. But it was interesting because, like, that pain was always there. And so I thought the movements that I needed to do to fix it were the right ones, like, it, like a hinge. But what I actually needed to do was kind of that anti-hinge which is why we were talking about the foam rollers and whatnot before. Yeah. Because what had actually happened is I'd partially slipped a disc in my back. And the only way that we kind of identified that is because when the pain would flare up, my thigh would go numb. And that's how the doctor determined that it wasn't actually a muscle pull or anything like that. I'd partially slipped a disc in my back. So I was going to physical therapy and it's wild because this is like, so (laughs) all in, in like one fell swoop, right? I have this panic attack on a call. I went out of order the one day. Uh, normally I drop Dan off, Sarah picks him up, but we had to switch a day for whatever reason. So my meetings were done. I was like, well, I'm gonna go get him a little bit early, right? Have him home for a little bit longer. Uh, wouldn't you know it, that's the day I get in a car wreck. And so it's just like, get in a car wreck with your infant son. Um, but, I, but it was funny because I, I, I was telling my counselor, I was just like, that was one of those like things that was fueling my anxiety. The like, what if, what if, what if? So it was almost a good thing for me that it happened while I was with Dan because I knew what would happen then. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> he loved it. He loved it because we had to pull over and there was cars going by and, you know, the police officer showed up. This And he was just loving the noise and this and that. <laughs> and he wound up falling asleep. So, you know what I mean? It's just like – and then coming home from physical therapy the one day, down the uh, – on the south end, Stringtown road, 71, 270, all that construction that's going on down there. Um, I generally don't get on the highway from Stringtown. I normally get on with the way I run my errands. I normally get on at 62. And, um, so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to get on Stringtown this time. Well, they had shifted everything as they're adding more lanes. And I hadn't been back through there for a while. And so I had another little like mini panic attack simply because they, they changed their lanes. And, um, so I, I continued to work, you know, with the counselor. And um, as time went on, you know, the attacks, they got less and less and less. Um, I did have kind of a bad one going out to uh, Wheeling. We were going out to Ogilvy. And um, I, feel, I feel like the tunnels in Wheeling have been under construction forever. Um, so normally when I go around Wheeling, I take 470. Well, this time it said, no, you're going to take the bridge all the way into the construction. And then you, you go through the town or whatever to get up to Ogilvy. Those bridges are so tight because of all the like, you know, dividers and what like I for the first time in my life, like legitimately felt boxed in. And like I felt the attack, you know, kind of coming on. And then I had one on the way home um, simply because like we were there for two nights and I'm pretty sure because Dan was sick and, you know, you're with family. So you're up late and whatnot. Pretty sure I slept like eight hours total while we were out there. Um, But yeah, so that all of that, you know, just kind of. The counselor helped me see on days that I don't get a lot of sleep, my mind races a lot more than usual. And it's, you know, you make a bigger deal out of stuff because you like you almost feel like mentally you have less capacity to deal with it. And that's not the case, but that's what, you know, what your body does and everything. So like counseling has been fantastic because they've given me, you know, ways to process things, ways to talk through things, how to think through things. I mean, even in terms of just conversing, you know, and, and and I guess that aspect of it is why I think everyone should see a counselor at some point, because some of these arguments that, that you find people in or comments that get made or anything like like if you step back, some of that stems from some form of anxiety, you know, whether you're anxious about the outcome or you're anxious about a, a tarnished image or there's there's some level of anxiety that plays into these things. And it has, it has helped me now in, in how I approach situations with people. It's helped me to calm down faster, um, you know, apologize more when needed. But it has definitely put a different spin on a lot of harder conversations that I've had to have with people. It's also taught me that when people are absolutely irrational and only need you when they need you, and then past that, it's like, screw you, you're a dick, like... I know for the past six months you've been like the salt of the earth, but now overnight you must have just become a jackass. Um, old Brian would have been very upset by that. Um, but with the things that I've learned, the, the 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 avenues that you take, like have I tried everything possible to rationalize, to talk to them, to fix, to whatever, that there are situations where it is a perfectly acceptable outcome to just be like, I can't change this. There's no reason to beat myself up for it and just walk away from it. And I'm not even kidding, dude. Like there have been a couple of situations recently where like old Brian would have been losing his mind, but like now I've been able to walk away from it and it doesn't bother me. And I, I, so th- I, that's the societal side of things, I guess. Like that's where people could really benefit from, from counseling. Um, another interesting thing that came out of counseling is that we actually looked back And this is why you know, I kind of moved a little quicker through my early years because we needed to get to this point to understand a lot of what happened back then. Um, From what I've seen, I've been dealing with anxiety for a very long time in my life. And I think it all goes back to a lot of the traumatic stuff that happened when I was younger, whether it be the death, getting made fun of, you know, trying out for sports and never making a team, you know, that kind of thing, um, that you just do build up a level of anxiety. And then and the more that you change and the more, you know, places that you change, that continues to do it. And, you know, working at places where, you know, you may not be valued either the way you'd like to or the way, you know, that you would hope that you would be. You know, that continues to build on it. And and that's another thing, too, that, like, that that counseling showed me is, like, yeah, I I can have these expectations of how I would do things or how I would want them to be done or how I see them to be acceptable. Not everybody's going to see it that way. And kind of learning to get out of that headspace, understanding that, like, sure, you may be right, you know. It's not to say you're not right or, you know, there's going to be times where you're wrong. But having that attitude of like, well, this is how I feel. This is how I think. This is how this situation should have gone. That's just as damning as, you know, a- a- anything else. And so like, identifying a lot of that. And it was interesting, too, because I can I can literally specifically recall. And this is going to sound crazy, like in, in context to like everything that's gone on in my life. I will never, there, there are certain instances, like one of them is, if you recall, the, uh, the the, ex that went to Italy. I will never forget, there was a night we were in my apartment. Why I remember this, I have no idea. But I think it's because it's tied to all this and I could never let it go. There was a night in, in my apartment where we literally were making breakfast for dinner. And we were making banana pancakes. And however, something got put back into my cupboard it, it was like not in the right place or like because it wasn't in the right place, the flower spilled, you know, something like that. And I will never forget my reaction. I was so irate over the top. Like in the moment, everyone was telling me it's because, oh, the relationship is falling apart. You're not right for each other. You just do that. No, it, it, it was kind of like the OCD that ties into anxiety, you know, and, and I go back and I think about it and I'm just like, man, there's so much that I've done through the years, you know, stupid shit. Like like who cares if flour spilled, right? Like clean it up. And, and even, you know, even like, I, I don't wanna say now, but like very recently now, you know, it's like similar thing, right? We, we, we have an infant. There's gonna be food on the floor and stuff like that. And, um, you know, like I told Sarah, I was just like, you've got certain things in this house that are like a priority for you Um, you know, in terms of like what's, you know, what we clean or what goes where, you know, this, that, the other. I was like, one of them for me, we have white tile floor. Like, I I don't like a dirty floor. I just don't, you know? And so it was, but I remember before I started with a counselor, I would make some really like passive aggressive bullshit remarks about stuff that needed done or, you know, stuff that didn't get done. And it's like, I, I see now that that is not only unhealthy to other people, but it kind of further drives you down that kind of OCD, you know, anxious kind of rabbit hole. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, I remember, shoot, man, like uh, one of my relationships, she didn't have cable. Well, I want a cable because I want to watch football. I don't have to go to a bar to watch football every week. The, the argument that ensued there about getting cable, it's like, that's why I look back at, especially like I mentioned earlier, like the the, the cringy Facebook, you know, Brian I'm just like oh man like I read some of the, the stuff that's on my my like memories and whatnot and I go the hell were you thinking that day <laughs> you know like and I don't know it, you know it, it's it, it's because there was so much through the college years really that changed me that they needed to change me I think it would have gone a little bit differently had I known you know about the anxious piece the ocd piece um there's probably people out there that are so impacted by this stuff and just have no idea yeah. You know? and i know it's a very generational thing to where like m- mental health shouldn't be taboo to people still today it, it it shouldn't um but but i know i i know just you know with the people that are closest to me i've i've been met with two responses really when I've told people that that I started down this path and the things that I've uncovered about myself. And one of them is like, you know, like, thank you for sharing. You know, I have considered the same, I've thought about the same, or I've done the same, you know? And then there's the like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, it's it's stuff I have to work through and I'm using the tools to do so. One of the things is like. I in the afternoons I would have a really hard time like driving if I had to go get Daniel. And a lot of that was just because it's outside of the normal routine, right? And and this is another complication of COVID that I think people don't really over or, you know don't really understand or have overlooked or whatever. It's like especially in a city like Columbus, okay? Because we notoriously have some terrible drivers out there. <laughs> um so you take that element out of things, you work from home all the time, you know, you, you've got the constant, you know, talk box telling you the world is ending, stay home or you're gonna die, you know, kind of thing. And so you, you put this false kind of sense of security on your house and on your routine. And anything that deviates from that, if you have an anxious mind, can trigger that. And that's what I have found is that it is, it has actually been like, as much as I love work from home, I do, I, I do. I, I miss my coworkers, I miss the happy hours, I do not miss Reynoldsburg traffic. I, you know, miss just the, you know, that was kind of like decompressed time, right? When you were driving to and from work, it was decompressed time. Now I love the flexibility now, right? Like I can go to the gym on my lunch break and I don't have to worry about it in the evening. And that's kind of a blessing because with our limited time with Dan, that would suck if I was still trying to go to the gym. And so it's like, all right, so do you get up, you know, with the ass cracked on and go work out? Or do you just get fat, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but so I really had to work through, you know, uh, like understanding that routines are, they, they can be a curse. And that, you know, COVID has definitely amplified and like pseudo glorified being at home. And it it's it it, it's done this to, I, I know it's not just me, right? I know there are other people that have said the same thing. Um, and it, it's just it's also allowed people to get so comfortable behind their keyboard get so comfortable about going down a rabbit hole. It, it's why you have you know, these hugely divided people that if you really would sit down and talk about it, so many people are so much more similar than what they'll ever lead on. Um, that's why like, I know you've watched it and I've watched it too. If you ever wanna, it's, it, and it's almost like watching a train wreck, um, watch Q on HBO. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the Q
0: documentary. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That thing is incredible. Yeah. It is watching a train wreck plus, like, Chernobyl exploding plus, <laughs> like, Hiroshima
1: exploding. like See, and it's like, you know, when I when, when we had Daniel. So the, the nice thing about my parental leave that I mentioned earlier is I could split it, right? So Sarah found herself in a unique position this year when we had Daniel because she had taken another job and was not there long enough to qualify for like fmla or you know anything like that so we had to use short-term disability and take some unpaid which is fine so i took my first two weeks with her at home to get everything you know set up good to go then i went back to work until her stuff expired and then i took my final four well at that point daniel was still sleeping a ton so i I needed some documentaries in my life and you know it's like that's when i I discovered the q thing and it's it's just, it's wild because people, just using that as an example, right? You can just get on Facebook. You can look at comments under a YouTube video for crying out loud to see it. Like, people will just pick a fight to pick a fight. Right. And it's like, you know, especially with COVID, with this vaccine, with, you know, the, the, yeah. had COVID not hit during a presidential election year, I envision it going a lot differently than what it did. I would agree. But, you know, and it's just like, I, you know, Here's selfless plug for 2022. This is a big election year for Congress. 85 percent of them are up for vote. So if we really want to make a change, it's not going to be you know replacing which senile figurehead we're putting in the White House. It's it's change in Congress. That's as political as I'm going to get today. But yeah, selfless plug. Yeah, we don't get too too <laughs> political here. No. Um, but that's the thing, right? It's just and, and and it just goes back to what I was saying. Like if people would actually talk, if people would actually sit down talk. You know, um, I've had people try and you know bait me into things on Facebook, no, 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 call me. Call me, I'll talk to you on the phone. Come over, I'll pour you a bourbon. You know, I'll pour you a beer, we'll sit and talk. You'll see that I'm like, we're very similar. Um, So as I was kind of, you know, divulging a little bit. um, So I I started to like take what I was learning, you know, about my interactions with people, about my routines, about how COVID had changed things. And um, I've been able to work through a lot. I actually did have a panic attack once while I was driving. That was another one that kind of like kind of loomed in the back of your mind like, oh shit, what happens if I'm driving? Well it happened. So sucks that it happened, but it was great that it happened because like I, I knew what I needed to do. Um, so kept you know working through therapy, this, that the other. Um, and I just random I don't I don't know. like I, it, it's insurance like I, I don't understand why we have to have the in and out of network thing. Because when Sarah changed her job, our vision insurance changed. The doctor that we loved was now out of, um, out of, what did I just say, network. Yeah, um, So I found another one that was in network and it was a horrible experience. It took me three months to get a pair of glasses. The first pair that I got was wrong, so then we had to redo the prescription and insurance wouldn't cover the second pair of glasses. Um, the decision was made to move me to bifocals because they thought the issue was later in the day, because you're staring at a computer all day, right? Late in the day, I thought I was having trouble focusing. And so they gave me bifocals to try and work through it. And like, I felt like things were getting worse. And so I finally, I said, screw it this year. Like we're going, I'm going back to my old doctor. I don't care that they're out of network. Um, one, One of the big things that was driving my anxiety and it's, it's there, was some, there was something wrong with my body and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to fix it. That's why as the days would go on, I would get more anxious. Turns out it wasn't that I couldn't focus. It's as the days went on, I could not merge images with my right and left eye. And the doctor who I really like was just like, imagine trying to do a wall sit for eight hours a day and then just getting up and walking away. He's like, not gonna happen. He's like, you've fatigued those muscles to the point that they're not going to work right. Well, that's what had happened to my non-dominant eye, is that your dominant eye will always be the one that will traditionally do the focusing for you. And so the non-dominant eye is always trying to catch up. And with a bad prescription, it's always going to strain itself. So he was able to diagnose it because, you know, like, I don't know if you go to the eye doctor or not, but you got LASIK, so probably not anymore.
0: Um. I just did it, like, last year. So, like, I'm up for an appointment soon.
1: Okay. Well, so they they do the one where they're just like, they're like, you know, follow the spoon, follow the light. This Okay, we're going to switch eyes, follow and follow. He literally, I felt it, but he literally saw my eye move. And so he gave me, he administered a test that, like, so apparently left to right merging and up and down merging, it's usual to be within one standard deviation. They call that up to three points. There's gonna be some wiggle adjustment. He said anything that's, that's within two to three standard deviations usually easily fixed by a prescription change. So my up and down, I think it was two, might've been like between two and three. Either way, no big deal. Um, my left to right, it only goes up to six standard deviations out, he couldn't measure me. So I could not merge left to right. So what happened was is I actually have a special pair of glasses for when I'm at my computer that has really eliminated the issue. But I've, I kind of stopped wearing my bifocals. I went back to my old glasses. Like there is a physical aspect that can drive into anxiety and, and, and I uncovered that as well. Um, but so, it's, so going back, right? Like when I didn't make it into third year architecture, you know, there was definitely an element of the anxiety there when, you know, relationships would fall apart, there was like the element of that anxiety there. And, you know, when things went, and, and it's just, it's human nature, right? To like want things the way you want them, you know? And it's like, you know, shoes by the door, no shoes in the house, like that, if you have an anxious mind, things like that can really get to you, you know? Um, but like, I didn't ever realize too, just there are certain things that I did day in, day out that were, you know, indicative of kind of that OCD kind of behavior. Um, like TV volumes. I would only ever do fives and tens. Like if somebody left it in the middle, I would go change it. You know what I mean? Uh, Same with the radio in the car. Um, And then just like little things like where things would belong in the kitchen or, you know, how the bed gets made. You know, just stupid stuff like that that along in the past has driven some just ridiculous fights. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like, (laughs) and you know, it's like, yeah, they always say when you're in a relationship, when you get married, you know, you're going to fight about stupid things. Yeah, you are. But a lot of those stupid things stem from stuff that would benefit from you talking to a counselor, right? And I, I wish I'd have done it sooner. I, you know, wish, you know, because it, it's, it's I, I take the position and I'm an advocate of it, it's not a sign of weakness, right? You know, it's like it, if you're sick, you go to a doctor, right? If you break a leg, you go to the emergency room. You know, it, 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 your, your brain is nothing different. You know your 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 nervous system is nothing different. If it's broken, fix it. There's no no reason to be weak. You know, and some of the things that that I've learned is like, dude, you know what? No family's perfect, okay? And anybody out there that's going to sit there and say that their family is perfect, or try to idolize family above them, love your family, right? Absolutely, but like idolizing them to the point that you want to bury stuff, you want to hide stuff, you want to keep stuff out of you know pe- you know whatever all you're doing is setting yourself and your family up for failure. Um, And, you know, I've, I've, to me, that kind of thing that in the beginning, right? Like when, when Sarah and I got together, there was stuff like that happening. And I I will say, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I know there were times where I was not fair to Sarah about things, you know, and, and now it's a little bit different because uh, that I've used a counselor, but man, it's just like, Everybody just needs to take a step back every once in a while and just understand that, like, if you think about it, humans, by nature, are very fragile things, both mentally, physically, things like that. But we're also awesome because we you can fix it, right? You put the right stuff to it and you can fix it. And the same goes for mental. The same goes for relationships. The same goes for physical. It's just a means of finding the right thing to address it and i think so many people just try to hide and say no i got this or you know this is how it needs to be or you know so and so never did it so i don't need to whatever but you know all through life it's just so interesting to come 35 years and look back and wonder how many of those decisions that, that i made how many of the, and you know what, I'm not saying that I would ever go back and say, oh, yeah, I would pre- have preferred this relationship over the other, right? You know, all these things that have happened have, have put me where I am today, and I'm very happy where I am today. But, like, just to think back and go, man, if I handled that situation a little bit differently, you know, what would have happened? you know, and then even some of that is like, even just, you know, fights, you know, with my wife, right? Like I, there, there, there have been some doozies, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, some of them around money. Um, but it's just like, man, it's like knowing, knowing now, if I'd have known it, knowing what I know now, if I'd have known it then how different would that have turned out, you know? And, but yeah, dude, like, I don't know. Oh, uh, there was, there was a relationship in college. I, I, Sarah told me I should write a book. I, she thinks they're hilarious. Um, I, I, actually, I actually had a date cancel on me because her ferret was out. Run that by me again. I had a date cancel on me because her ferret was out of its cage and was sleeping adorably and she didn't want to wake it and put it back. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's wild, man. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. I just now now it's now it's it's comical. But like back then it was so infuriating, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know. I mean, I look back and it's just like, did did I did I take a path that, you know, some people would never want to take? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, You know, I, I know when when I met Sarah, one of the big hang up points was the fact that that I had previous relationships that I did. You know, and, and this is an, a, another thing that I learned, you know, just talking about it. like I did move in with one of my one of my girlfriends while I was still back up north because I felt like. That was the, like, you remember playing old Mario? Like, you get the warp whistle and skip ahead to, like, level six or whatever. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, she's already got a house. She's established, whatever. Like, I can move in with her. I can, you know, cut out X, Y, and Z, you know, steps. And this is going to be great, and it's going to be easy. It's not. Like You, you can't just cut out parts of, of growing up. It's just, you know. And, and I've, I've seen other people that are very near and dear to me try and do the same thing. And it's not really a conversation that you can have with them because they've made up their mind and you just kind of have to sit and wait for the cards to fall where they may. Um, But, yeah, I learned I learned that very early on, too. Don't don't ever don't ever try and emulate somebody else's life or feel like, you know, your path is so different that, you know, you're you're not doing something right. I mean, it was it was it was difficult for me to see all of my friends start to have kids, you know, Sarah and I are really one of the last in like our old group of friends back home to have had a kid, you know, and I, and there's still some of those friends that are, you know, still not married yet. And and that's fine. That's fine. I know it is hard. I know, especially in like big group events, right. When all the couples are there and the kids are there, you know, there does come a point in time where, where it's hard, but it's just not your time yet. You know, that, that's all there is to it. I, I did, you know, growing up, did I think that I was going to have my first kid when I turned 35? No, you always think it's going to be like fresh out of college, you know, 22 years old, having a kid, you know, great job. I, hell, I thought I was going to be an architect, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> thought I was going to be an architect. And I am now uh, a home fragrance person. So it's been interesting, but it's not been bad. And you know, the people that, that I've met along the way, the, the things that I thought that would be bad along the way, it's one one of the one of the biggest things that, that one of the reasons that I think now I I am such an advocate for seeking help and, and for counseling is like suicide's not the way out. And I've I've lost friends and family. And and I, I can't I just can't fathom it, right? Like I, I've I've got, you know, a cousin that lost both both her parents. You know, I lost friends through high school. I lost friends through college, you know, and it's just there's always someone there to listen. There's always someone there to listen. And it's it's just it's so gut wrenching, you know, to see what's left in the aftermath of that and You know, there were times in my life where I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. You know, there were times where I, you know, especially junior high school, man, like that one was rough. I was bad. I just, you know, it was it was like you could make a movie about like that awkward kid and literally like everything going wrong. You know what I mean? And then um, i hell. I you know I I'm, I'm transparent as they come. I'll never forget after the uh, the Italy breakup, we'll call it. Um there was a night where I I was hanging around some people that eh, probably wouldn't have been hanging around with, you know. But oh dude, it was just I I don't I don't remember the night ending. I didn't recall sending messages to anybody, but apparently I sent them to my ex and she got so freaked out. She actually called my roommate's girlfriend, and I woke i I woke up to my roommate's girlfriend punching me and like being like, "Okay, dick," like, and I was like, "What? What did I do? I just went and got drunk last night, you know, kind of thing." And then I saw what I did, and I was like, "Oh shit," you know, like, I've 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 been. There's <laughs> another one. I don't know if my parents will ever listen to this, but um, I had to move back in with my parents. Right After, before I moved to Columbus after that whole fast forward relationship happened and i mean you know it's great they they welcomed me home um but you could tell after a while it was just like mom and dad were at a certain point in life i was at a certain point in life this is not a sustainable option you know kind of thing and this is why when when i talk to people about you know alcoholism um there there are very different levels of it Um, but like when you're like kind of depression and anxiety and everything lead you to hide your drinking, that's, that's when you need help. And and that's what I was doing. And like, there were some times where like I woke up still dressed in my work clothes from the day before, you know, knock shit over in my bedroom. Um, you know, there, there was a, a party that I went to. It was after, it was after a wedding. I went to a party. And um, my my parents had, had put my keys in the mailbox, and I couldn't remember that they were in the mailbox. So I'm still in my wedding suit. Um, the guy that brought me home, we swung through McDonald's because he knew I needed something. And like this is when I knew I was at like the lowest of low after that relationship. Is when I was sitting in my parents' driveway in a suit from a wedding eating a, a mcdonald's cheeseburger and crying like <laughs> just yeah picture that <laughs> um but so anyway it's just like you know i i've 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 gotten pretty low and i i i've seen obviously people get lower than that but you know if, if the the whole scope of everything that that i've dealt with from you know heartbreak to failure to, you know, moving around all the time to death, loss, you know. There there is there is nothing out there, in my opinion, that if you ask the right people the right questions that that you can't work through. Um and I you know, I'll be honest, in in the beginning when I started with the council, I I was a little nervous. I, I was nervous what people would think. I was nervous how people would respond you know because it's like look dude you know i i'm i'm in you know for the first time in my life i'm in a job where barring anything crazy from happening like i'm I'm gonna retire from here like the people that i work with the stuff that i do the way that we're treated like it's just it, it it is a great company to work for and so it's like you know sarah and i are finally in a position where we're finally like making a real dent in our debts you know, we've been able to do the stuff that we needed to do at the house. We've had to put a roof on, we've had to rip out the driveway and redo, like not cheap stuff, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I know there are people out there that would look at somebody like that and be like, yo, you, you've got a great job, you're knocking stuff out at your house, you just had a son, like what's wrong with you? But that's not a fair question in, in my opinion. Like you, you can ha- have a dream job. You could be a millionaire and be absolutely miserable. And so that's why I always tell people, I was telling you earlier, it doesn't matter what money I ever make. Like, it, yeah, I, I'm always the, like, I, I kind of jokingly call it like the Steve Jobs of Under Armour. I'm always in a black t-shirt and some sort of Under Armour joggers or shorts or whatnot. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get dressed up and go to church. Uh, dressing up for like a dinner or something is usually like flannel and jeans. Like, that's just going to be me. I'm not, the material things have never been important. And to some people, the material things are how they, you know, offset mental struggle, or people that live outside of their means and get themselves into critical, crippling credit card debt. You know what I mean? Like, just, just take some time, talk to someone, and it's it's so nice that it's a a third party. It's not somebody with any skin in the game. It's not someone that has anything to gain by the outcome of the situation. Um, it's just it's just an awesome experience. And and you know, I look back and I don't even know if it was like a thing to talk about this stuff when I was in high school or like when I was early on in college and like things were <laughs> worse for the wear, you know, or Italy before before the iPhone. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, man. That's that that's back when like Skype was revolutionary. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and AOL and oh, MySpace
1: and Dude. We need MySpace back. I uh, MySpace it was it was always funny to me that they were just like you know what, here's this platform you can put songs up, you can put pictures up, this that the other, but you have to pick your top five friends. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and they need to look at your friends' pages, and they just be like, oh man, Bob's not in the top five anymore. What happened? You know? It's <laughs> so important. Um, <laughs> or AIM man, dude, that was another thing. Like I think back to all the like emo ass away messages I put up. And then mom and dad yelling that I was on the internet all day. So phone calls weren't coming in and like dial up internet and all that stuff. But no, I, I, I look back and, you know, I think that's why so a lot of the, you know, statuses that I see like, you know, mid 2000s, Brian putting on Facebook. and I am just like, oh man, kid, if you'd have just asked for help, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of me in a nutshell that Dan just turned one. I was telling Cameron earlier and we got lunch. He's uh he's he's walking now, he's climbing now, so we're in trouble. Oh, um yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a ham. Um yeah, I don't know. I can't wait. I can't wait for him to be old enough to play with Apollo. Apollo still gets super jealous around him because he wants us to play with him all the time. And oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And now that Daniel's mobile and Daniel like he's at the point where he hasn't learned gentle yet, so he just likes to beat on things. <laughs> just like around at the dog and be like, ah!
0: Oh man, Um, it's gonna be amazing when you're like all right dan go take apollo for a walk and they're just off being two best friends that anyone could have yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) yeah so i don't know man that's that's kind of me in a nutshell
0: yeah that's uh that was a good i don't know summary i guess of uh your life and it's a lot of notes a lot of talking points that you have For sure. And I really want to take a second and appreciate that you came on and like not really having much of an idea of, I guess, what goes on here uh, to keep your biases at bay. Yeah. And then just being like, here's vomit of everything. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, I think it's fun and interesting and compelling I don't know if fun is the right word, but I'm just going to roll with it. Um, With a recently like guest coming on talking about relationships because I think it's such a key factor in a lot of people's lives that really take you to that next level in whatever it is. We'll call it growing up. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, that, You're a person and then you become half of a whole um, of a relationship. And then it's just, there's a lot that goes into those. And then I think, you know, those are just such key points in most people's lives that um, I love having highlighted here and, you know, talking to people about and, you know, more people want to come on and talk about it like please do because it's um you know we always have those friends that we talk to about it like whatever relationship we're currently in right like you're there's always someone on your side there's always someone on the other side that knows like 99 of the details that goes on in the relationship but yeah. i think it's it's nice to know that you're not alone right right and i think that just plays into the transition of the the mental health aspect and dealing with things and um it's great that you know i i mean i say it all the time on here pretty much every episode i'm a big proponent of mental health and um you know men's mental health is a big thing and i think it's great that you're here giving that i
1: don't know male voice behind it um, but, you know, it's uh, like I said, you know, it, it took me 35 years to actually just like we'll discredit the like young years because no like two year old is going to be like, maybe right. something's wrong with me. You know, <laughs> um, but no, like th- 35 years to actually like come to grips with the fact that that I needed to talk with someone. Yeah. And, the, you know, there, there's more people than you realize that are out there doing it. I've, I've had some friends. I don't want to say come out of the woodwork, but like really kind of just like ping me and go. Hey, that's really cool. You know, I had been talking to somebody for a while or whatever. And I actually had a couple friends actually reach out to me that have, 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 have straight up asked me, you know, this situation has occurred. I know I can do better. I know I need to talk with someone. How has it been beneficial for you? And what got you to pull the trigger? And like, what got me to pull the trigger was that freaking huge panic attack that I had. Um, yeah. But, you know, there were indicators all along that I, that I should have pulled the trigger sooner. And, and like, absolutely, like, don't don't be upset by it. You know, it's, it's come up in conversation with some of my coworkers and it's just like, people aren't gonna look at you like you're Frankenstein. You know, you, you, you may get some questions here and there. I, I mean, I, the, the more questions that I got have generally come from, you know, I don't wanna say older generations, but like definitely people older than us. Um, but yeah, in, in, in today's world, like, it, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing and, and you know what they they're, you know, the, the same would be fair to be said about like marriage counseling you know get a neutral third party if you can't figure your stuff out have, have someone step in I mean there's probably things you're not thinking of but but yeah yeah the the whole like male mental health thing I mean and and you know what to, to play off of that think of him what you will um, but uh look at Antonio Brown. You know, like there, there's, there's obviously something going on there. Oh yeah. You know, and it's just, you know, maybe it, maybe it is, you know, linked all the way back to the the perfect hit, right? When like he just jacked him up. Like maybe it is, you know, CTE or you know a physical element of it. But there's, there's definitely something else going on there. And that's the the point I'm making there is like, you know, mental stuff doesn't care who you are, how much money you make, where you live, like it, it, it doesn't discriminate, you know? Yep. Um, and then like to the relationship point, you know, I, I, I know a handful of people that have only ever had one relationship, you know, they're married to the first person that they ever dated and uh, you know, if more, more power to them, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you have to go through bad relationships or getting cheated on or things like that to truly appreciate your significant other, <laughs> In fact, some of the stuff that I went through, I wouldn't wish on some of my, like, most mortal enemies, you know what I mean? Um, because having only ever dated one person, you know, married that person, it, it it's, it's fantastic in the fact that you were able to find that partnership very early on. But it likely garners some very different arguments and different interactions just because you know you've never been through that experience of like oh okay well i had been here with this person this is how i reacted this was the outcome i'm not going to do that again you know what i mean or you know certain personality quirks of people that you may have dated prior to you know the relationship that you're in now it's 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 all just a matter of of you know taking the situation and, and, and owning your situation you 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 can you can learn the same lessons with one person that you can learn with five or six and uh, today unfortunately in society um, you know divorce is more commonplace you know, uh, you know single parents are more commonplace and it's like you know again don't 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 judge people just as with the the, the mental aspect of things don't judge people for the choices that they make. I, I, you know, I mentioned on here a couple of times, you know, going to church, getting dressed up for church, you know, that kind of thing. Like th- that's something that's important for Sarah and I and and in raising Daniel and things like that. And I know I know it's not a priority to everyone, um, but like I, basically the dumbed down rule that, you know, you should abide by when you are a faithful person is don't be a dick. You can disagree with stuff all day long. You can disagree with decisions. You can disagree with with you know scenarios you can disagree you know and and and, you know understand that teachings that that are taught that's fine but at the end of the day the number one rule is 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 to love one another right and there are avenues that you can pursue that you can offer so much support to people, and and I I hate I hate seeing sometimes in society that just people of faith catch such a bad rap because of like those those outliers out there that kind of like use their faith as a weapon. You know what
0: I mean? Like a Joel Steens. <laughs>
1: can I call him out? Because I really don't like him. Um, <laughs> you can call out whoever you want to call out. I I just you know it's because it, it all plays into that mental thing you know, and and there is an element of you know, community that, that, that comes from, you know, a church or a, you know, something like that. And I, I, I just, you know, another thing that, that I really implore is especially very religious people to think about is you've got your beliefs, but are you treating people the way that you should be, you know? Um, so yeah man all of that kind of ties into the mental thing and I'm not going to lie you know being raised catholic right and then and then meeting sarah who is of a different denomination just you know CMA it's kind of a non-denominational um like really sitting back and then thinking like so so what what parts of this are the important parts you know like what what's right you know why is this so bureaucratic or you know just the way things like what's at the root of it you know and I will say that's another thing that that, that played into the whole you know anxiety was like really stepping back and, and going okay this, this is how I was raised you know these are the things that that I hung on to for 30 years um like is is there like a different messages or something out there like I'll tell you we we hopped around for I mean we, we tried eight nine ten different churches to, to try and find something that was a fit for us a good feel for us and then COVID hit so it was like well we can't you know be looking at so we kind of defaulted back to a church that she had gone to before because they were one of the first to really start like you know televising and um, and, and recently, um, we, we, we found one that's, that's great for us. And you know what? It, it, it's one of those things that like they, they, you know, they're gonna be packing a bunch of lunches for third world countries that are gonna get shipped out. They do work with, I can't remember if it's Habitat, or like, you know, but just like going and giving of yourself, you know, that, that to me is, I, I told you earlier today, right? Like, that's just how I've always lived my life. Like, even when things are bad, the more you give of yourself, the more rewarding things can be. And unfortunately, I I think in today's day and age with social media, with COVID, with things like that, it's forced so many people to just look inverted. You know what I mean? And the world has to be about them. Things have to be about them. And all that does is drive people nuts. And at at times, you know, these arguments online, you read some of the stuff that these people say and you're just like, get offline for a minute, (laughs) you know? And like the things that people, you know, choose to get upset about and everything, All of those things stem from some sort of anxiety, in my opinion. After learning what I've learned and seeing what I've seen with a counselor, it stems from some sort of anxiety. And, you know, anybody that happens to listen to this, like if you've ever, ever had an inkling of thinking about going to a counselor, I would recommend starting, at least least in in my network, I reached out to my GP and I was like, hey, what can I do? A lot of them are probably going to have recommendations or counselors in network, and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Like if you just like go pick one off the street, sure it could run you like two three hundred dollars an appointment. But there's there's avenues that you can, you know, it's like just like physical therapy, right? Like physical therapy through through my insurance, I've got twenty sessions a year where all I have to pay is a copay. It's the same thing for for mental. You know, you've got x amount of sessions per year where it's like it's like 15, 20 bucks. That's all you pay. You know what I mean? And these people do care. So yeah.
0: it's amazing um i i don't know i don't really have much to say other than yeah that's i would agree with you i think you're right um i do have one thing i want to go into though yeah um we've kind of danced around it and we've talked about it a little bit um and like one of the things i really enjoy talking about here is travel okay um do you want to go into the like the italy story yeah yeah so
1: like i said italy was really really the defining moment me growing up like pre-italy it was brian that could not focus whoops focus on um anything money was terrible like i remember one time going to like my grandma hat in hand didn't want my parents to know i was like overdue on some stuff and you know grandma's always gonna help and like I just I felt bad like horrible that I got to that position right. Um, so, Italy, like I said, we booked our trip when I decided to give a relationship a second go, and it already started off on an interesting foot because you know you have the whole flight over you have that time in um, Germany and everything where you're maybe wouldn't have necessarily put yourself in that situation had you made some different choices. So fast forward to like I said getting into Florence and the whole fiasco night one of trying to get a taxi, right? So I'm, I'm now like three weeks into some of the most <laughs> trying things that I've ever had to do. So we get settled in. Um, the university is actually in a real great spot. Um, it's right by the Duomo, my, my actual bedroom window for my apartment. You could open it up and you were looking at the Duomo like – the beautiful thing about uh, you know a city like florence is yeah people really aren't driving that much unless it's like delivery folks or commercial or you know stuff like that everybody's walking or they're on vespas or whatever you know and this is also pre like you know walking around italy where everyone's like walking through italy with their phone (laughs) in front of their (laughs) face you know what i mean because we didn't have the smartphones back then you know i had an actual camera that i carried with me everywhere that, and I know you appreciate this with your photography stuff, like taking the time to actually like set up, get a picture, look at lighting, like go to the gardens at sunset kind of thing, um, that you really just like, you're not just throwing it up on Instagram or popping a filter on something or like Snapchatting your friends back home. Like I literally, there, there was a fundamental communication break between me and back home. I had to schedule time to get my parents on the phone. There was a lot of communication via email. Um, it's one of the reasons really that I was as active on Facebook as I was because that was a very easy medium to share things with people back home Um, but yeah so like culture wise hold on while we're talking about this I'm going to open up a a Widow Jane Rye Mash American Oak Aged Bourbon I'll take a splash because like we said earlier we met in bourbon so (laughs) why not Um, so yeah, so my, my apartment was actually pretty close to Kent's campus, which was awesome in terms of walking. Um, it was so cool because the the shops that were all around us, like, they obviously know with the university being there that they're going to get a new crop of kids every semester kind of thing. Right. Because undergrad goes over in the spring, grad goes over in the fall. Um, they have, like, some some predetermined trips, like... You know, Milan, uh, Venice, Verona, like Rome, like your big ones, right? Those are the ones that are kind of predetermined, especially being over there for architecture, right? There's they're such wildly different architecture in all of those different places. Um, but they, they, they structure the schedule. At least they did when I was over there. It's been 14 years. 14 years, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, you know, they structure the schedule to where you don't have classes super early. You don't have them super late. Um, usually like you would get out of class, you walk to one of the markets that was, a, you were buying food every day or just about every day, but it's so easy to do over there. Food is so ungodly fresh. Um, back to, I was a smoker back then. So like American cigarettes versus European cigarettes, I mean, it's even a noticeable difference there. Um, so what, um. Uh, what was going on is like you walk to the market, you get a drink, you buy your groceries, you you'd, you'd go back to whoever's house was hosting for the night, make a big old dinner. And at that point, the nightlife is just starting. So, right, you'd go out, hit up a club, go to a bar, you know, this, that, the other. They'd have bakeries that would open super early in the morning so, like, you can get something on the way back, you know. Um, classes were cool. Um, they taught us conversational Italian so it wasn't, like, like super structured Italian. It made it easier to kind of assimilate um, but weekends, yeah, you rarely had anything on Fridays. You didn't have anything early Mondays. They made it very easy to travel. So we do a lot of like, you know, like we would like Luca or Pompeii or, you know, I, we personally went to Naples and uh, in, cause you can't stay in Pompeii, so you gotta stay in Naples. So like, um, when we were in naples dude this is just funny we we found this little pizza shop that we went to and we went back night after night and like the more you frequent a business over there like the more they you know welcome you back and everything well this is also when i was a lot heavier and so like the international sign for enjoying your food is usually like rubbing your stomach like yeah that was good and so i uh i like i did that i rubbed it and, and this dude looks at me and he's like oh, yes the bigger guy like my pizza and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> um but um yeah, dude, traveled all over. We ate out eh, every now and again. It was just, it was a lot more fun to just like be around people and cook and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, traveling, hostels were fun. Like, if, you know, find a good hostel, you know, you'd come across some pretty awesome people out traveling and whatnot. Um, one thing about Italy that I didn't realize ranch dressing is not a thing over there. So <laughs> we had some friends come over on spring break and they asked us, like, hey, what do you want us to bring? And we were like, ranch dressing. And there was like some other odds and ends and uh, I had a friend come over and she brought me a bunch of Girl Scout cookies, which is sweet because, you know, they they don't have that stuff over there. But no, it like public transit over there makes it so much easier to get around. Um, Germany is very, very punctual, very, very punctual. But it's it's nice. Um, You know, France is a little more laid back. Um, Certain parts of France still, at least when I was there, they didn't like Americans and uh, they don't like Germans even more because (laughs) I was traveling with my buddy who speaks German. And I tried to get a ticket, and the lady kind of snubbed me. And and he was like, all right, here, I'll I'll help you out. And so he said something in German. She shut the window and walked away. I was like, well, okay. (laughs) Um, One thing that was actually kind of common while we were over there, and and we joke about this, was um, the the, um, train workers, they'd go on strike for like two hours. If something wasn't like going their way or like – I I don't even want to say – they might be unionized. I didn't really look into it. I just know that there was travel delays every now and again because people go on strike for like two hours or like a day, and they'd come back. Um, I I love traveling, right? Like, the one big thing that that did help me a lot in growing up is, you know, this is before a lot of like credit card fraud and online fraud and things like that was a big thing. So, you know, I had Amex for my credit card and I called them and told them where I was going, what I was doing, and they were like, okay, we put a flag on your account for this date to this date, blah, 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 you know, any issues, whatever. Well, the bank I had at the time, they didn't have that ability. And so they were starting to get into like fraud protection. Well, I didn't even think about it. Most places over in, in, in Europe accepted credit card at the time. So that's just what I did. But there were like some more your mom and pop shops, your pasta shops, you know, things like that, that they, it was cash only, just because there are credit card fees that are tied to the machines. Um, so every Monday I would take out the same amount of cash and just use it for the week and whatnot. Um, well, about halfway through the trip, my, my account got suspended because they said that the pattern was a fraudulent pattern. And I was just like, okay, well, I tried to tell you where I was going to be. And if you look at where this transaction is occurring, it's exactly where I told you I was going to be. Um, I was like, my mom has a power of attorney. We filled out powers of attorney before I left. Um, I was like, she can come in, take care of everything. They were like, no, you need to do it yourself. And I'm like, I'm in Italy. (laughs) And they're like, okay, well, you need to come in. And I'm like, <clears throat> i'm in italy like you know i not hopping a flight to come back and so i i had to use like the american express store and do like a cash advance against my credit card to get me through until i could get back and as soon as i got back i went to the bank i promptly closed my accounts and i went to a different bank um but i i i wound up like i paid them all back when we got home but i wound up owing you know people some money for certain things just because of the implication of not being able to get to my accounts but is what it is right um taught me so much about money especially when i was over there we were over there when the uh conversion rate was at its absolute worst like when the week that we went up to england i I think i think the pound was like 220 american uh the euro hovered between like 170 180 so like you're always doing that math like even when i got home i found myself like i'd go to a store here and i'd start doing the math and i'd be like oh no wait i'm home like um (laughs) But no, we went all over. They, 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 they make it a very, very immersive experience. They make it so wonderful um, between the classes and the scheduled trips and the, you know, everything that you can do. And it's just, it's one of those things that like I dropped a ton of weight. I didn't change what I ate, how much I ate, what I drank, anything like that. It's just you walk everywhere. And the food is so much more healthy. You know, I'll tell people, you know, tell them blue in the face that a lot of the health and weight problems here in the country are because of how much things are processed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I saw like 70, 80 year old dudes just, you know, sitting at the bar, chain smoking, pounding beers, then just get up and walk home, you know? And it's like, I actually, when when I first got over there, I had a week of what they call traveler's diarrhea. Like, because your body's used to such processed stuff, you go over there and it's 100% fresh. And like, my body was like, what are you doing? And I had it again when I came home. Like when I flipped back to, it was really, really yeah. Um, so that was the big one, you know, being away for just about eight months, you know, living over overseas, you know, especially, especially before social media, smartphones, this, that, the other, like you legitimately detached yourself from normal life, implanted yourself over there and like, lived for eight months. Um, it's one of the things that I think just a, a bit challenging here in the States is, like, we're not really set up to get between cities very easily. And even if you were to walk, I mean, like, shit, walking around Columbus, like, yeah, okay, do it a drunk night here or there. But, like, what are you walking past? Townhouse, 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 business, business. Like, there's no statues. There's no cool architecture. Well, there's some cool architecture here and there. But, um, but yeah, so, like, and then, Sarah, I, I can't speak to, like, the the full you know like scope of what she had done but like she spent some time in England um, she did a mission a missions trip in India um, so like we still have other parts of the world that we want to get to like I want to go I want to go to the Far East I want to get to Australia I want to get over that way um, we had two summers where we took a week vacation to Alaska and that was awesome like getting up into into Denali um, we climbed a, a mountain just outside Anchorage. We uh, found a jet ski tour that you could go out into the glaciers and everything, and we did that. Um, we actually camped by a waterfall in a very, very tiny town called Seward. Um, and that, that was cool. I mean, you're right in the middle of the wildlife. We walked part of the Iditarod Trail, and when we were doing that, we actually did come up on a black bear. Um, when, we were, when we were driving, we were sitting in traffic, and a moose just walked past our SUV, and this thing was bigger than the SUV. Dude, it was insane. <laughs> um, but like the first time we went up, we did a lot of the more like touristy kind of things. You know what I mean? The second time we went up, that's when we went camping. That's when we went hiking. That's when, you know, we did the glaciers and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, there's still so much to do up there. We would love to go back at some point in time. I would love to do a fishing charter up there because what they'll do is like when you do that, obviously you got to pay for everything. But like if you do the fishing charter, whatever your haul is, they'll pack up on dry ice and ship it to anywhere. So like everything that you catch, you just have shipped back to your house. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, but yeah, yeah, do you, we've we haven't done a lot of travel lately, um, just because COVID and Daniel and this and that. Um, but we are going out to Missouri this year. We're going to Idaho this year. Um, just trying to get back into the groove of things. I, I think it'll be good for me because I, I used to travel a lot for work too. I spent a fair amount of time down in Mexico, helping getting some stuff launched down there, and so I'd become kind of a, a seasoned traveler. You know what I mean? And I just think that you know with, with the way that COVID's gone and, you know, the what I've uncovered about my anxiety and everything. I, I really do think getting another trip under my belt will help. Um, I do miss it. You know, it's like you find yourself want, you know, wanting to be at home, being a body, you know, especially like when you deal with anxiety and whatnot. But then it's like once you like convince yourself over that hump to go do something, once you do it and you get back, like you're like, oh, that was great. Like, oh, I shouldn't have been worried about that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, Sarah is definitely, definitely more of an on-the-go person than I am. So um, we've kind of balanced each other out in you know things to do and not to do and things like that. So, um, but yeah, the Italy trip, dude. I think so fondly on that. Um, I've you know got a ton of albums on Facebook of everywhere that we went. Like I think I was in Rome for a, a total of like two weeks, and it's still it's not enough time to see what Rome has to offer. It's it's an really un- unbelievable city. Um, th- the cool thing was we were actually over there the year that they did the first presidential primary off of American soil. So they did it at um, the embassy, the consulate, forget which. And uh, I actually was able to go take part of that. So I I participated in in the first presidential primary off American soil. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I completely completely forgot about that. On the way back, I thought I lost my passport. So the one time I was in Rome, I actually had to go to the consulate to get an emergency passport issued. Turns out there was just a loose floorboard in our apartment that we were staying in and it fell down in there. So I found it when we were getting ready to leave. Um, (laughs) But yeah, moment of panic when you think you no longer have an identity overseas. Yeah. But so, you know, I was over there. I went to Kent, right? So I'm over there. I, I, there's no one in the consulate when I get there, but they still have the big queue up outside. So like, if you were watching me, it's like something you'd see in a movie. I just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> so I finally get inside and there's like nobody inside. So I get up to the desk and they're like, what's your reason? You know, and I explain what's going on and they're like, okay, well we can search by your visa. Um, Cause I still have my visa on me and he looks and he's like, Oh, Kent state. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, bro, I go to Akron. And I was like, here we are, Rome, Italy, you know, <laughs> running into people that are like, you know, miles down the road from one another, and then so, and then in Florence, there was there was one bar that we would always go to. I forget what it was called, but it was just like it was in a corner. It was a red door, like it, like unmarked kind of thing. Um, their happy hour was buy one get one, so we'd always start there because you get two drinks for the price of one. Well, you know, whenever you hear people talking English, you always kind of like gravitate to it. So, like, we we ran into some Aussies, we ran into some Brits, but then we ran into some other because there's other college campuses that are over there. Um, and I, I, I was talking to this kid and he's just like, you know, oh, where are you from? Oh, Ohio. I went to Canton. He's like, oh, yeah, I go to blah, blah, blah. he's like, where'd you grow up in Ohio? And I was like, Canton. And he was like, what? He's like, what part of Canton? So I told him and he's like, dude, do you remember the Marianne Donuts on Tusk? And I was like, yeah, I drove past it every day. He's like, I work there. And I was like, <laughs> here I am, Florence. You know what I mean? It's wild how many times that's happened to me while I've traveled. But it's it's so cool.
0: Dude, um, with the, like, with the Ohio thing, it's, you know, like, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yep. It's like the two degrees of Ohio. Like, either you know someone traveling and they are from Ohio or they know someone close to them from Ohio. Oh, yeah. And it is wild. Every trip I have taken, everywhere I have went, that has happened Uh to me. And it is the craziest thing.
1: (laughs) Growing up, I just thought it was my dad, right? Like, we'd be in D.C. <laughs> and my dad would run into somebody he knew or, like, we'd be, you know, somewhere. But no, everywhere I've gone, I've run into somebody. There have been times, like, I actually, um, I was walking through Atlanta on my way back from, uh on my way to Mexico? Anyway, walking through Atlanta. All of a sudden, like, my brother-in-law's in front of me. And I was like, <laughs> hey! And he was like, whoa! <laughs> was like a, you know,
0: like, it's, it's Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is the wildest thing. But, like, it's cool because you you have that story to tell that you know someone or you met someone or whatever. And it's sometimes (laughs) just down the street
1: from you. Yeah. 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 And then, like, my time down in Mexico for work, you know, obviously you spend the better, you know, majority of the day working. But, like, nightlife down there is pretty fun. You know, if you, like, the the part of Monterey that I was staying in, it kind of reminded me of Italy, to be honest with you with the way everyone was out and like the open air dining and you know, the kinds of stores and whatnot that they have down there. I, I freaked my mom out though. I took a picture of the receipt for dinner because whenever, whenever I traveled, like I'd have the company card or whatever. Right. Well, they they bill everything in pesos obviously, but they still use the same dollar sign. So I took a picture of my receipt and I think I think it was like 2,300 some my mom was like what and I was like it's just pesos (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun little joke yeah so but yeah man yeah it's you know I just I I hope that things can get relatively back to normal you know amidst everything that's going on and hopefully like hopefully things continue to get better and yeah because I would love to get back to like travel like it used to be I I would wholeheartedly agree.
0: Oh man, I miss traveling so much, and I have just <laughs> sat here. Like I feel like I've sat here and wasted away for months because yeah. I haven't been able to do anything. Like, ugh.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it sucks too because we were gonna do the big out west trip last year. You know, we were gonna fly into Denver. Her aunt and uncle live in Fort Collins. And then we we're going to make our way up to idaho and then we we're going to kind of come back through like salt lake and i i just remember this because i see the jackson hole thing on the back of your computer um we are going to get a you know cabin there for you know and then wind up back and and we're in Denver and fly back well obviously everything got shut down because covid and then we had daniel so then there was all of that and it's just one one of those things that i guess kind of plays into you know what i said you know earlier about y- you never know it's the last time you're going to see somebody um You know, the last time we saw Sarah's uncle was 2018. It was an awesome get together, you know, beer share, a little bit of bourbon share, Christmas dinner. You know, it was the uh, first time in quite a while, I think all of Sarah's like aunts and uncles were all together and everything too. Um, but, like, we walked out of that. Obviously, it ended on a good note, right? No, There was no fight. Like, people weren't being stubborn like I was when I was a little kid or whatever. But we walked out of there with this grand plan of what, you know, this trip was going to be and what it was going to mean and who we were going to see. And then, unfortunately, you know, Sarah's uncle is the one that married us. He's, he was a traveling pastor as well as being one of the most famous Santa Clauses in Pittsburgh. So if anybody that listens to this knows the uh, Robinson Mall outside of Pittsburgh, he was the Santa there for 21 years, I think and so just like the the tribute that came out when he passed was absolutely unbelievable people sharing generational pictures this, that the other there's just that little bit of you know we were supposed to see him and then we didn't and now we can't you know um but you never know man you never know it's it's just whether it's travel or family or whatnot like just just do it while you can you know what i mean you you don't ever want to look back on something and and have a regret or you know like oh why, why didn't i do that don't put yourself in debt to do it. But like, if you have the means to do it, do it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. Do it while you can do it while you're young, do it while you have the means and the capabilities and while things are going your way, even if they're not going your way, but you're like, I need to get out of here. Do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think that is a fantastic, Spot to stop uh, and call it call it a day. Sure. Um, so I, I know you haven't listened to episodes before, but I always ask everyone a question. Um, I think there's first off, I think there's tons of fantastic advice in here mm-hmm. uh, that you've shared, but I always ask, what is that like last one piece of advice that you want to live on that uh, you've said? And that um, you want, you know, anyone listening to carry with them. That you want Dan to
1: listen to. Um, what is it? Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. There is no reason that you need to feel like you're taking anything on alone. There is no reason to ever feel like you're by yourself. You know, whether it's a counselor, a pastor, a friend, a family member just understand that for as dark as you think things may be and it may not even be like that you know you you could just be like me and i waited 35 years to get help not knowing that i suffered from anxiety and you know some level of ocd that you can still ask for help but very very seriously if you're ever in a very very dark spot i've reached out to people that i've never met before you know that i've i've encountered in social media groups i've got what I would call like the digital friends all over the states that I hope to meet them one day. I've met a couple of them as time has gone on, Um, but, or even me, you know, like even me, like I've, you name it, bad relationship, cheated on, left for somebody else, uh, failed out of a class, you know, lost someone to suicide, lost someone to just normal death you know, watched a friend's marriage fall apart, you know, you know, seen people push to the, like, there's always somebody out there that's going to understand you. There's always somebody out there that's going to be able to offer help. Suicide's not the answer, you know, and, and I guess that's the far end of it. You know, suicide is never the answer. Ask for help, get help. Even if it's something just like, in my case, I was just pushing myself too hard. You know, I, I had all these little passive aggressive quips and all this, you know, st- ask for help. The biggest disservice we do ourselves in, in any level of anything, work, mental health, friendships, society, the biggest disservice we do ourselves is not asking enough questions, asking for help.
0: Yeah, I love it, uh, That's beautiful. Thank you so much for, you know, all the advice and sharing your stories and all that. Um, you know, if you want to come back and talk more, of course, always welcome to do so.
1: I'm sure stuff will come up. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we can we can uh, do further episodes. Done it before. We'll do it again. Sure. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming out. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, until next time.
1: For sure. Thanks.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Fatal to Prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.